It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Arash Markazi with the uh, LA, Vegas, and Hawaii report coming up in about 20 minutes. Barry Odom Radio Show in an hour. Happy hour is going on right now at the location Parkway Tavern, 215 and Flamingo. 50% off pizza, pizza, and uh, apps, two bucks off. Many of the drinks, beers, cocktails, and wine. And then $2 Miller Lights. That's at 6 o'clock. Happy hour goes until 6, and then after 6, you still have a beer deal with the Miller Lights. For the Barry Odom Radio Show with Caleb Herring, myself, and the coach. And uh, during the show, we'll talk to – we have conversation with Tiger Shanks, right tackle, and also one of the uh, speed demons, special teams, ace, and wide receiver, Jacob De Jesus. Again, 6 o'clock live here on ESPN Las Vegas and live in person at Parkway Tavern 215 and Flamingo. Uh, I had a chance uh, over at Mountain West Conference Women's Basketball Media Day to sit down with Lindy LaRock. Very high aspirations now. They made the tournament two years in a row. They didn't win in the first round. And uh, I could tell from talking to her, like, yeah, we want to win. We want we want to get to the next level. And what a freaking roster. But you know what's cool? And I said it to her. I'm going to be a human being for once, right? And she just had a child. Remember, she had a child during the season. And I know I wish I wish Adam had been there because this would have been a great conversation. You like kids a lot. But I asked Lindy, hey, what was it like first time mom during the summer, you know, getting to experience that with your young baby? Yeah, well, I think everyone was giving me a hard time when I had her that I didn't take any maternity leave. So I was uh, I was uh, adamant to take a couple of weeks and, and spend some quality time with my family uh, here in town and, and out of town on some vacations. So we had a great summer. Uh, she is growing wildly. She's going to be a year old in about three weeks. So it just time, you know, flies. And um, yeah, it's been great to... Uh, you know, be a mom and, and coach and do it all together. It, it's all one big one big thing for me. Who was giving you a hard time? Oh, you know, just... Family? No. Actually, my family was like, no. It's, <laughs> you know, everyone else... You kind of understand has, the background of being yeah, a coach. I mean, you can imagine a lot of people have an opinion about how I do my job and all of that. So, um, you know, motherhood's no different, but... Oh, that is funny. I never even thought of that, that you'd be getting your chops busted by randos, potentially. Like, got a job. Yeah. And you, and you, I guess everyone can pick how they want to balance things. Yeah. Well, moms understand it. You know, you, you yeah. got to do what works for you. And how I went through the season and, um, you know, started motherhood was what worked for me. And our baby is happy and healthy and growing like a weed. So I think we're doing all right. The voice of Lindy LaRock, the women's coach at UNLV. You'll, I think you'll be asked this question a million times. So maybe this is the first or maybe it's the whatever, 500,000 of a million times. Does it bring a different perspective to being a coach, having a child? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, it does. Uh, I, I mean, I think I'd like to have some of the same perspective of how I treat our players as, as young women and someone's daughter, sister, you know, all of that um, already. But I think to have my own, um, it does it does help bring great perspective, if anything, for me um, when I'm at home. You know, when I'm at home, I'm a mom first and then a coach. And sometimes um, before I was a mom, I would be a coach at home and my husband would kind of give me the eye to like turn it off. And then, um, you know, so now, now it's a lot easier. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be both. So where's your motivation now? You've achieved a whole lot, especially these last two years with two straight NCAA tournaments. I mean, essentially, you're the queen of the city, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, and the women's basketball team on the highest level in the uh, WNBA, Becky Hammond as well, well-regarded as well. But, I mean, 
if you did this for however long you're here, I think people would be happy. But is that enough for you? You know, making an NCAA and you know not winning a game, like just making it, is that enough for you? Or now is the time? Let's go. We got to advance. I mean, I think you know the answer to that, right? That's that's Here's what everyone wants to. That, that's what I, we we want to win. Yeah. We want to win. Um, you know, obviously getting there, you've got to get there. We we can't get to March and October. Um, but you know, once we get to March, we want to be in the tournament and yeah, we, we've, we're leaving things out there. It's still to accomplish, still to do, um, for our program, um, and for these players that, you know, want to continue to advance in their careers. What do you think the players learned from this trip as opposed to the first one? Well, I think it was great. Obviously, we traveled a lot further. Um, I think being at LSU, there was a little bit more of like some chaos and some hoopla and more of a foreign place, right? You know, we played in Tucson the first year and it's like, oh, it's a desert. We're the desert. You know, a lot of players have that we've we've been there um lsu was a totally you know new environment baton rouge you know a place that i'd never even been before so there was a lot of differences in that regard but i think um our approach was different and i think that's what our, our players can learn from um that's what i'm learning from as a coach we have two experiences to draw upon and to be honest um they couldn't be more different in kind of our approach and our mindset. Um, and so now we've got to take those with us. And when we get there again, we've got to keep changing it up. Yeah, I think it's beneficial to go into kind of that mountaintop situation, a big time atmosphere, maybe just to get the mindset that, hey, we belong. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was a great, great atmosphere. Obviously, it was, um, you know, we were playing Michigan, so it wasn't like a home game for them, but um, you know, it, it's a great venue, a great place, big time basketball. Obviously, I mean, they went they went on to win the national championship, and we played on their home court. So, um, it that that is pretty cool in itself. Um, but you know, that's where our team wants to be. So Essence Booker is gone. She was a leader. Desiree Young is back. She's a leader. Yeah. Um, who else is going to step up in terms of leadership on the floor, but maybe more importantly, off the floor? Yeah, well, I mean, I think everyone knows Kira Jackson, Sixth Woman of the Year last year, and she's uh, kind of played alongside uh, Essence the last two years, really just being mentored by her, observing, and, and you know, she's ready to kind of fill that role, the point guard role. I think that's maybe, you know, obviously the, the biggest kind of leadership piece, but Kira's ready, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, from Essence's standpoint, one of her biggest things was to get Kira ready because... Uh, of course, she wanted to have her own great career, but more than anything, she wants our program to have sustainability. And she she invested in Kira in that way. Um, and Kira was a sponge, you know. And so now she's she's filling that you know point guard role, kind of being the floor general. And um, you know that just kind of takes some time. But she's she's ready. She's willing. She has all of the skills. She's a different player, so it's going to look and feel different. But she's going to be a leader for us vocal off the floor or hey follow my leadership by what I do um just a little bit of everything okay. you know I think sure you know comparing her you know I don't love to just compare them but they're different players they have different leadership styles um Kira has kind of had this notoriety of being quiet but she definitely is not um she's got a little sass to her and uh, I love that and so you know she's gonna know when she's gonna need to be vocal and commanding of of the floor and I think she knows that, and she's already doing a really good job of that. Our team listens to her. She knows, you know, where to put them and, and what plays to call. So, um, 
you know, it'll, it'll be different, but I think, you know, I'm really confident in, in her leadership. CSPN Las Vegas, Cofield & Company on the road here at Resorts World, Mountain West Conference, Women's Basketball Media Day. Lindy LaRock is with us. Well, in terms of the, the roster, you've had good rosters the last couple of years, and you yeah. had pretty good depth. I mean, this is ridiculous what you got coming back now in terms of, I think, right? Are, are, do, you, do you feel comfy at every position that you've got a, a number two person behind that position that's going to be more than capable of playing? I mean, this, it looks like your numbers are insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it maybe a couple of times, but I do think this is our most talented roster from top to bottom um, with experience and talent. Um, it just, you know, and, and while that's great, right, they, we've got to really continue to gel together and, and, and put the pieces, you know, to a puzzle and, and get them all to fit. Um, but from a talent perspective, I think we're really confident in, you know, not just who's out there first, but who's, who's going to be in relief and, you know, if anything happens like we've got someone you know for every situation that can uh, step up and be ready where's Obi Izor with the uh, the injury from a year ago yeah she's in a great spot great spot uh, fully cleared by the doctors um, so she's you know just working back to the intensity that we know she likes to play at so she's in practice working hard and it's not going to be you know everyone's going to see her very soon you have four freshmen four freshmen yes okay what were you trying to recruit to what positions what style um, well, I mean, for us, you know, we, we've been able to have great success in recruiting and not just recruiting, but retention, right? So we didn't have anyone leave. So that allows us to forecast in, in recruiting. So, you know, we've got players, you know, that are committed to the development process of for when Desi leaves, for, you know, when there's matriculation of, of seniors and juniors in the program. So um, we've got a great mixed bag. We've got a couple of forwards and Meadow Rowland and, and McKenna Brackens. Uh, so guards and Amarachi Kempson, you know, highlighted in the co-freshman of the year preseason. Um, and Macy Spencer, uh, uh, another, you know, flamethrowing guard. So, you know, they all have great, great talent. I mean, they're freshmen, so they've still got a lot to learn. And we've got great upperclassmen, you know, kind of showing them the way. And they're going to be ready. So I'm fascinated by the buy-in. And that's part of leadership. Yeah. How have you accomplished that? Because, I, I, you know, as I look at the roster, and I'm not suggesting that people leave, but... I liked what I saw last year from Jasmine Lott. She's yeah. got to fight for playing time. If I were Jasmine Lott, and maybe I, you know, me back in the day, I would, you know, I'm immature. I'm like, the hell with it. I'm out. Yeah. Right. So how do you do that? Well, I mean, I think it's it's our culture, right? And the buy-in starts with the culture piece. And sure, it, it starts with maybe me, but even our our leaders, um, and just being really transparent with them, and you know, and and winning helps. Right. Yeah. You know, um, if you were to leave our program, you're, you're probably going to give that up, you know, and, and depends on where you would go. Um, so we have a great time. We work really, really hard, um, but it's paying off for us. So, you know, we're trying to get our team, you know, the culture that we've established is uh, we go further together. Um, everyone has to be ready. We need every person. Um, on every game and every practice um, because we just never know what the situation is going to arise and they've bought into that and you know I think that's hard for you know like you said young people these days or just society with some of the immediate gratification but um, you know we do a really diligent job in recruiting of trying to find players and families that are committed to development and process and learning. I appreciate all the time. Um, I have a couple more for you. Sure. Deep dive here with Lindy LaRock, and we're out at Mountain West Conference Media Day. Has it changed that much in 20 years? Like, you're, 
you're not that old. Yeah. Um, and you know, we can sit here and uh, you know shake the fist of the sun. Yeah. Kids these days, it's changed that much from when you played. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think you know. Or there's just more opportunities now. So naturally, you know, if you have more options and you're sure. buried on a team, then someone can pitch you on more playing time. Right. Well, obviously, the rules have changed a lot in 20 years. Yep. You know, and I think there's there's that effect. Um, but for me, what I draw upon is my own experience. You know, and I and I think that's maybe what I tried to share with our team. Of I played on a great team. I played every role that there was on on our team. I was a bench warmer. I was, you know, a six six woman coming off the bench. I was a starter, um, and and we won a lot. And you know, I didn't I didn't love my coach every single day, um, <laughs> yeah. but I loved winning and I loved my teammates. And so I, I try to you know um, give them that transparency and kind of instill, um, that culture, you know, that I experienced that, that worked for us. I like that. I like that theory. Winning is fun and, is. uh, not to be old guy, you know, preaching at people, but you don't get to win all the time moving forward after athletics. Yeah. You know, so exactly. if you get a chance to win for four five, six years, take advantage of it. All right. So next step is make the tournament advance, sure. win some games, like make a real run. Is part of that getting the team uh, sharpened by playing a better schedule, but also ensuring that, hey, if you lose a couple of games, I mean, you guys were on the, the Razor's Edge last year where the RPI was better than a couple of years ago, but you lose some games, you don't know what the NCAA is going to do. So I want you to talk about the non-con because you really worked on this. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, when I kind of took the job and, and part of head coaching is just scheduling. I mean, it's like one of the toughest things, but also one of the most important things to kind of how you're going to build the program, sustain success, all of that. So our plan was to have a tougher conference schedule every single year and, um, you know, or to try to, however contracts go and all of that. And this year is, is a great, a great test for us. Um, we've got power five teams on the road at home, group of five, we're traveling cross country. Um, our team is going to be battle tested and, you know, obviously we want to win all those games. Um, but like you said, if we don't, uh, I think they help us. They help us uh, not just with RPI and maybe logistics, you know, from committees and different people that are making decisions, but in our conference play, you know, uh, we want to be really tested. So we've got, again, a really talented team. I think that we, there's no game on our schedule that we can't win, frankly, that, and, and um, we're going to go out there and do our best um, and, and try to win every single game. How did you get Arizona here? Uh, it's a home and home. We follow and, and go back there uh, the following year. Um, I can appreciate them wanting to, you know, to to do that. So um, it, it's it's hard for them to get games. It's it can be hard for us to get games. So we're like, hey, you know, come here. We'll go there, and uh, you know, kind of mutual respect. What's it like when you go to Power Five coaches and try to get a home and home around the country? Or, or, are you, or are you pitched like, yeah, we'll do a three and one? Yeah. Or well, how about this? A two and I mean, a luckily, two and a lot of back. these, we uh, we kind of got contracts secured and written before we had our season <laughs> last year. So that helps to try to, you know, jump the gun a little bit and get some things on paper. But, um, you know, I think women's basketball, like, it's changing to where, you know, we're, we, we can't be threatened by by anyone and again I'm kind of of the mindset that all boats rise together and so you know we want to play great competition and I think for the most part around the country they, they want to too and challenge their team How is NIL affecting you right now? Is it Has it gotten to that point in women's basketball um, or will there be a day where Desiree Young 
you know, it was called up by, oh, I don't know, LSU, right? And they're like, hey, here's $100,000. Come on, we got all these deals. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we have a collective of, of our own, um, like our men with, with Blueprint Sports, which we're very grateful for. Um, you know, kind of me as, as a coach, I'm kind of hands off with it. Um, but, you know, our, our team is, is grateful for that support from our alumni and donors and everyone that kind of contributes in that way. Um, and we know NIL is a, is a piece of, of the pie now, you know, and uh, the higher you go, the more bigger of a piece I think it, it is. Um, it's very relevant in, in our recruiting um, and we're having to continue to battle that and we want to be a player and, and I think we're in a good spot. Um, you know, and we'll just kind of see where that goes. You know, I, I, I can imagine just that can even change, you know, tomorrow, next month, next year. So, you know, we don't put all of our, you know, marbles in that basket, but uh, we, we're excited for kind of where we're at. UNLVtickets.com. The yeah. uh, date of the Arizona game is? December 2nd, Saturday. And that's in the big building. Thomas and Mac, yeah, let's get, you know. I mean, why can't? Eight, nine, ten thousand fans say, there. Why not, right? Yeah. The uh, the Aces draw, and the, that was kind of cool when the Aces moved over to T-Mobile <laughs> and got 15,000, 16,000. Yeah, very so, cool. Neat stuff. Uh, one last thing with the finals going on with uh, the WNBA. Um, the Aces have been good to you guys, right? I, we, the Raiders obviously just came over last week to UNLV football and dropped a large check and made a donation. Yeah. Have, having the Aces here... It, one is really cool and they've been supportive, but I, I, I feel like you tell me, have they actually gone like the, the next level? Because I see players out there. It seems like they're really cooperative and they really want to get embedded in the community. Well, I think it starts with Mark, right? You know, and, and his involvement in the community. I think he's been really great. I mean, his contribution to the football program and, and our athletic department is is substantial, you know, and um, he doesn't have to and he doesn't have to do that. You know, other than being in Las Vegas, he has, he's got really no ties to UNLV, um, but he's invested in the community, and I think that's with the Raiders, and it's also with the Aces. Uh, we have great communication with them. I think they're they're willing um, to work with us from tickets and from marketing and different things. Um, so we appreciate kind of their partnership. We want to, you know, we want to help them throw another parade here in, in a couple weeks. That would be great. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we, we want the Aces to win. We want them to win. Um, they, they're drawing great fans, and we want all of their fans to come to our games. We need Tom Brady out there. Come on, MD, bring Tom Brady. Or we can go next level, even though it's a chief. Um, Taylor Swift and Kelsey showing up would be nice. I don't know how that happens, but yeah, that's kind of kind of crazy, huh? That's above. That's above my. That's above. my Brady's uh, possible. Yeah, Brady is possible. Yeah, let's dare to dream. I, I don't think I can help the cause, but you can work some connections. I've got other things to work on, yeah. but um, someone can work <laughs> got, on that. That would I've be great. I've got other things to work on. Well, <laughs> we appreciate so much time. Good luck this season, and obviously I'll see you soon uh, out of the games. And remember, I think it's officially – do you have any national games you have on TV? We have four. Okay, and then I think there's another I think there's another 12 that are being picked up yep. by Silver State uh, Sports and Entertainment Network. Yep, a lot of them. Really good. Yeah. Well, that's uh, TV exposure helps. So thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Steve. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company, Adam Hill here with you with Damon. Don't forget the coach's show is coming up top of the hour. Parkway Tavern over on Flamingo. Coach Barry Odom, along with Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, and the crew. 
Get on down there, check it out. Should be a great night and always a great time at Parkway Tavern. Always a great time over at Michelob Ultra Arena when the Aces are playing as well, except when everybody over there has to be stuck with our next guest, Arash Markazi, in the building. He joins us from over there. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Uh, listen, there's a lot of uh, celebrities here. I'm surprised that you're not here. The great, the great some, Adam Hill. Some of us have to work. And, of course, Arash from the Sporting Tribune. Check out all the coverage that they are doing over there of a big week. Arash, you detailed your week the other day up on Twitter. How many of the five days of events have you gotten to? Amazingly, the one event that I could not get to because of logistics was Monday Night Football, the Raiders and the Packers. Uh, but I But I hit them all. Um, really, with the with Monday Night Football, I was going to the Lakers preseason game for one reason and one reason alone, and to talk to the miss the next. And I'm, and I'm happy to pass my torch to this man, LeBron James, when he comes into town. I'm, he is the next Mister Las Vegas. So I uh, had to get a state of the future of the NBA franchise in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll allow that. Uh, let, let's get into that first of all, because I do want to talk obviously about the Aces and uh, what's going on over there. Game coming up in 42 minutes till tip time, according to the broadcast screen over at ESPN. Uh, want to talk about that, but uh, you obviously did ask LeBron the question the other day about owning a team here. It sounds like Shaq also wants to own the team here. Let's start, first of all, separate them. They both want this team. Is that what we're dealing with right now? I think so. And, and generally speaking, when um, when teams are available, multiple people will be involved. So you're, you're not just going to have one um, one group, right? You're, you're going to have the LeBron group. You're going to have the Shaq group. You're going to have some other groups. What Shaq has, as you know, um, he has roots in Las Vegas, or, or I mean, he, he's lived here for 20 plus years. And so you go to his event that he had on Saturday at the MGM Grand, you know, the, these corporate sponsors, all these hotels and casinos. I mean, he's more perhaps um, pre- prepared to kind of like, you know, make the move to become, because here's the thing, the franchise in Vegas, people will be amazed by the number that this franchise go for. I mean, I think it'll be $4 billion. And so it won't just be Shaq 100% or LeBron 100%. It'll be a group. Well, my thought when I first heard it was, this is perfect. Why don't they own it together? Like, can they not team up and do this? You know, I, I don't know about LeBron. I do know Shaq does not want to partner with another figure. I think Shaq would like to partner with a group of investors and be the main guy. So he doesn't want to be you know the Shaq lebron clutch sports group i think he wants his own uh group well i mean how would he rather not have a team i mean like like he would lose this battle right i don't i don't think if it's a battle between them that he's getting the team and i think if if it's presented to him in that way he may change his mind or by the way you know he sold his minority stake in the sacramento kings he could decide like if it's not under my terms, like if I'm not the guy holding court, courtside pregame, like Jay-Z with the uh, uh, Nets, and like Adam, you, you know this. I mean, Jay-Z owned less than 1% of the Nets. But like when, when when he did, like he was like the man. And I don't know if LeBron wants to – sorry, I don't know if Shaq wants to share that with LeBron. It, it, it seemed like when I talked to him, I, I, he knew he had a partner with people. I don't think he wants to be a part of the LeBron group. Well, can Shaq just win this battle because he's got his time on his side? LeBron wants to play with at least one of his sons. That NBA team is going to be in Vegas any year now. Could LeBron LeBron lose the race because he's still playing? 
Yeah, you know, I think there's a variety of factors that that actually put Shaq in a really good position that no one's really talking about because obviously, like LeBron's LeBron, but you know, Shaq is very close with Tim Laiwiki and the Oak Hill, the Oak View group that's uh, trying to do that the ten billion dollar um, hotel arena. Um, Tim Laiwiki previously ran the Staples Center, part owner of the Lakers Kings, so they are close, and so Shaq has talked to him, so. You know, that's where it's a game changer. If Shaq is now part of the Tim Lay Wiki group, that changes everything. Rosh Markazi, Sporting Tribune, joining us here uh, on Cofield and Company from over at the MUA, McUltra Arena. <laughs> Did you walk across the Haas to get there? No, there was nothing happening at Allegiance, so I was at the walked. Pac-12 uh, Media Day. It's your, that's, um, your, that's, your, that's your spot, though. You should just walk across it just to do it. No, no, no. The beauty of the Haas is when the community, the people of Las Vegas and the uh, beautiful tapestry of the tourists uh, cross across the Hacienda sure. Bridge. Uh, that's the beauty of it. Not when it's not closed off, Adam. And I think this is what you wanted me to do. You wanted me to cross the Haas when there was a traffic yes. there. And uh, I was not going to do that. Cars are going over there like 70 miles an hour. It'd be great to just step in front. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... You were you mentioned you were over at T-Mobile for the Lakers game. Very interesting that that was at the same time as Monday Night Football. Uh, that's the kind of town we are in. It's just craziness happening all the time. What was the atmosphere over there? It used to be that Lakers games here in town for the preseason would be the place to be, the big event. This year was going head-to-head against Monday Night Football, so how was it? It was uh, not the same. Uh, and listen, I, I don't know if they could have changed the timing of it because it's the preseason and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was the first time I had seen the 360 degree tarping of the top half oh boy. of T-Mobile Arena. So it wasn't just um, a portion. It was really the entire top half. So um, not a big turnout for the fans there because you're not getting a lot of like the local fans, obviously, because they want to watch um, – the Monday Night Football game, and um, and not a lot of local media. So, um, listen, this was an was not an ideal situation, but I think the Lakers are going to face this moving forward. They are going into a sports mecca here, where if it's not the Golden Knights, it's the Raiders or some other team. I mean, there's always something happening here. There is, and uh, you cover it all over at the Sporting Tribune, Rush. What? What uh? Well, we have some hard questions for, but what what is up there now that people need to check out? Well, listen, uh, Steve Carp is here, and if uh, Steve Carp is writing, you got him. I know you're reading, so uh, he'll have a column tonight for, off of Game Two of the WNBA Finals. He was at uh, the Banner Night, amazing night there at uh, T-Mobile Arena. Just a just a quintessential Vegas night where the banner comes out of the uh, slot machine. Um, so just a lot happening here in Las Vegas, as you know. You you can say as you know somebody who has been around LA now tries to pretend you're in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> that was the best banner night you have ever been to, right? I uh, 100% and I just love the fact yeah because listen I I knew it would be a show and so there's been a lot of banner nights that I've gone to and it's always fun Um, it was two things that made it unique a the presentation of the banner was next level I mean it it, it didn't just come out of the uh, slot machine like Mark Stone had a pull (laughs) pull what if he didn't what if he didn't hit what if he would have missed on the uh, the pay line Uh, what if it would have come up like a bell and a like a prince and then one Stanley Cup. 
You know, the only tweak I would have made was just because cup and six was such a big thing. You know, it, it's not a triple seven situation. It's probably like a triple six situation or something like that. But it was an amazing uh, banner unveiling. And then not only that, I've covered a lot of these nights. Uh, generally, the home team, the defending champion, comes out flat. And that did not happen, obviously. The Golden Knights had an amazing start to the game. They closed out. So just a perfect night. Arash, I've got to ask you, you put something, you wrote something in the messenger, and I just want to thank you for saying what needed to be said. Why does Asia Wilson not have her own signature shoe? It's crazy, and I just tweeted a picture from a young fan who basically was asking the same question, and I, I was watching that game one, and LeBron was courtside, and so many people were saying, oh, that that's so cool, like LeBron's here, and he gave uh, her his shoes to wear, and I'm like, like, Asia Wilson is the best player on the planet, to my view, and she's about to hopefully win back-to-back titles, uh, two-time MVP. Like, no, you know, no shade on LeBron, but, like, she shouldn't be wearing LeBron shoes. She should have her own shoes. So I do think that that'll get fixed. It sh- sh- should have been fixed already. Um, but I was amazed at the traction that column got because I wrote it because I believed in it. But then, like, the number of people who commented on it was cool and uh hopefully it changes things soon how important do you think that this rivalry that's brewing between the aces and the liberty is for the league it's massive because what you're going to have is that casual fan who doesn't really follow the league regularly and that's what you got back in the day whenever you have a big rivalry whether it's the celtics and the lakers or the cowboys and the 49ers or the yankees and the red sox or whatnot you're going to get casual fans tuning in who don't normally watch their team play or they, they don't have a team but they're like oh my god like these are the best two teams in the league these are the best two players in the league and then when they go head to head so like this is the first year they're going head to head in the finals and if they do it a couple more times then by the second and third time like you're gonna get so many more fans watching but this is just uh and, I, and i've just encouraged all my friends like even if you don't watch the league watch these games it's it's, it's incredible i, I was just want to go back to the uh, asia wilson shoe issue uh real quick do we know how the Sabrinas are selling, because Sabrina Ionescu does have her own shoe. Uh, they're out, and, and I, look, I, I will say this, uh, every player in the, Raker, in the Raiders locker room has them, uh, because, of course, uh, for those that don't know, Sabrina, uh, her fiancé, is on the Raiders, which is a little oh. interesting dynamic uh, in that you know she is getting married to somebody that's on the Raiders. The Raiders owner owns the Aces, so that adds a, a, you know, a big twist in this rivalry. So they all have the shoes, but how are they doing? You know what, that shoe, and correct me if I'm wrong, just dropped recently. Yeah. I think it was this season. So, you know, they're probably not enough um, of enough uh, sample size or whatever. But, you know, the issue there, and no knock on Sabrina, is that, you know, in this postseason, she's been the fourth leading scorer on her team. And so uh, I'm not saying that she doesn't de- deserve a shoe, but uh, well, let's just say there's, there's a player in Las Vegas who deserves a shoe before she should have a shoe. Fair enough. I will. Uh, I will tell Ronis tomorrow that you said that. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> I'll say I'll point Arash out next time he's here, and uh, you should. Ronis can uh, can handle that. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that <laughs> how that plays out. What what can the Liberty do to actually bounce back and win this game? I know a lot of people expect. I expected a lot more out of the Liberty than we saw in Game One. They they played very well in the first half and got blown out in the second half. Some people that I know that follow the league very well were a little bit surprised, but they also said, "Look, I don't think there's much they can do." Like that was. 
they gave with their best effort and they are just not good enough. But I, I don't no, know if that's the case. I, so what can they do? I, I don't think that's true at all. They, 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 they played and controlled the tempo and they played well in the first half. They led in the first half. Las Vegas did what they've really done a lot this season is, you know, they've, they've kind of steamrolled the team in the second half. But when you look at the five-game series that they had during the course of the regular season, that tells you New York's going to come back and they're going to deliver a, a very powerful punch. And if Las Vegas is not prepared, you better watch out. The series will go back 1-1. So uh, this won't be a blowout tonight. I'm not saying that New York's going to win, but this will be a very good game tonight. And again, would not be shocked if New York came in and won because like, just look at what they've done this season. Uh, no other teams come into Las Vegas and won the way that they, they have. And by the way, there was something at stake. The Commissioner's Cup was at stake when they came in and won. So, um, I, I, I do expect tonight to be a very good game, a very close game. Uh, wouldn't be shocked if New York won, but I'm, I got Las Vegas by two. That's the right move they have there. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Arash, I've got to ask you, I mean, you want to go over to the L.A. beat, you know, that you're so familiar with. Should USC fans be worried about that defense? Oh, 100%. It's not – they – they have been. I mean, like I was in uh, Vegas for the uh, Pac-12 championship game against Utah where that defense gave up over 500 yards and 40 points. Same against uh, Tulane, my goodness, in the uh, Cotton Bowl. And now, you know, like like everyone said, the defensive coordinator, Grinch, should get fired. He wasn't. He's back in the same thing is happening again. Yes, they, they are 6-0, and but they really should have lost at least once, maybe twice this season. So now we're going to South Bend. Saturday at Notre Dame, uh, you know, this is when their season begins. You know, they go to South Bend, they they play Utah, they play Washington, they go to Eugene to play the Ducks. Uh, we'll see what they are made of. I think um, that I think generally speaking this season that they're going to score just enough points to win. But, I mean, it's not fun. You know, like when you're scoring 45 points, I mean, and your defense is giving up 43, it's, it's, it's tough. Do you feel at all guilty that you are here in Las Vegas on the night that the Dodger season is going to end in Arizona? <laughs> I don't feel guilty at all. You know why? Because I was in San Diego at Petco Park when I saw their season come to an end, and it is very frustrating. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of like this yin and yang where you're so happy that your team wins 100-plus games, wins the division, and it's a really fun regular season. Then you go into the postseason – and they get eliminated in the division series. And so um, I didn't expect this to be a World Series season. I expected them to get to the championship series, but it's just been uh, it's been tough once they get into postseason for the Dodgers. I was kind of kidding. I do think they're going to win tonight. Uh, but can they can they win three in a row? Are they capable of it? No. You know, the pitching staff was always a problem. So, so if you had said what needs to happen for the Dodgers to – um, have success in the postseason. I said two things are going to have to have happen. They're going to have to pitch extremely well, and the bats are going to have to do what they didn't do last postseason. Well, it's been worse. Uh, <laughs> they're not hitting and they're not pitching well, and so it's a it's a terrible combination. So listen, I I, I do agree with you. I, I do think that they find a way to maybe win tonight. But my goodness, Lance Lynn being on the mound with the season on the line, I did not think that would happen this season. But we're bouncing around to all the uh, L.A. sports and Vegas sports as well with Arash Markazi. Uh, didn't ask about the Kings yet. They do open tonight. I believe they're at home. At crypt- is it crypto yeah, still? Home. Are we still crypto. going crypto or is it, is it moved to something yeah. else? It's For the time being, it's crypto.com. <laughs> Who's going to buy that right? That's a great question. Thankfully, they've spent a ton of the money that they got from crypto in terms <laughs> of uh, you know refurbishing the locker rooms and all that. But, uh, yeah. 
What uh, are people excited about the King season opening, and what are the expectations for this team? Yeah, I mean, the problem is the Kings have a very strong and loyal fan base that will sell out Crypto.com Arena. What they don't have is that sort of uh, casual fan base that you have in Las Vegas, where it uh, just transcends the hockey fan, where like the, the guys around the town are talking about this team. So you know, they become it becomes a hockey town during the postseason. Um, quite frankly, it doesn't really become that until they get past the first round. But um, I do think that they have a very good team here and would not be shocked if they won the Pacific Division. I whoa. know it's a hot take to say whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Oh, yes. Whoa, Rosh. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I was going to try to get you on a fun one. Have you been to Zippy's yet? I need to go. I know. I know it finally opened yesterday. Um, but I have not gone yet. I have been to one in Hawaii, though. It's very good. Yeah, that's. Uh, we'll get you out of here on that. Uh, you obviously cover L.A., Vegas. We talked all about that. What is going on in the Hawaii sports scene right now besides Zippy's opening here? You know, it's unfortunate that uh, the football team is not as good as people thought they were. I mean, obviously, they uh, did not win the uh, the Ninth Island Showdown Pineapple. <laughs> that was obviously uh, very coveted. Um, Wait, that sounded listen, sarcastic. I mean, it's a ridiculous trophy. But what I are you What are you talking about? Are we really talking about it's the most coveted like trophy in sports, Arash? It's amazing. It is a really great trophy. <laughs> it's, a <combination, laughs> it's a combination of a pineapple um, and the Welcome to Las Vegas sign. That's cool. But by the way, like I think everyone in Hawaii was happy to see the Clippers. The Clippers had a nice little uh, preseason game where 100% of the proceeds went to went to uh, you know the Hawaii Fund and all that. But uh, no, listen, the pineapple is. I mean, come on, we're we're, we're not going to pretend like the pineapple is a great trophy. That's just a ridiculous. All right, thing. that's it. We're done. Uh, read, <laughs> read the Sporting Tribune. Check it out. Uh, you mentioned the carp has a bunch of stuff. I assume there's other cool stuff up there. I mean, if you want to say you can, but you just slandered the pineapple trophy? What are you doing? I love the Ninth Island Showdown. I just think that there's better uh, trophies out there than a giant pineapple. So it should be, from now on, the Sporting Tribune Ninth Island Showdown, and you're going to design a new trophy. The trophy will be a big plate of loco moco. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you soon. See you around town, sir. All right, see ya. Take care. Bye. This is – I was on unco- – he, he, it was everything was going good, and then he goes, ah, Kings won in the Pacific, and the uh, the trophy stinks. That's – it's one of the best trophies. Give me a trophy that's better. I mean, where you just have a rivalry of games. The Cannon and the Pineapple. You know he's playing for some of the best trophies. The Little, the little Brown Jug is pretty cool. That's what uh, Michigan and Minnesota play for. It's a big brown jug. Paul Bunyan Axe. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's a fictional character. There's some cool trophies out there. I mean, the the pineapple trophy is great, though. I I don't I was not comfortable with that. I apologize to the listeners. Actually, I'm sorry that you had to hear the last three minutes of that. I think we kept Arash on too long. He started spiraling into some ridiculous opinions at the end. But check out his stuff in the Sporting Tribune. We'll come back. Close things out. Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It is. We are counting you down here. Kofi will come to Adam Hill in Damon. Barry Odom Radio Show coming up 6 o'clock right after us. You can get down to Parkway Tavern on Flamingo, just about a mile from where we are right now. Coach Odom, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring, the whole crew. 
getting you ready for UNLV football coming up this weekend. A rivalry game against some team pretty far north of here that, you know, they're a team. They try. They're That's around. the perfect. They try. They wish they were us. They're not. They get mad about it every day. One day a year they get to try to win a football game as if that's the most important thing, not quality of life, which we have in spades over them. It's rough. It's rough. But uh, happy hour is still going on if you're there in the area. Get there now. It's 3 to 6. Great, great happy hour. You can go there and do that every other day as well, not just tonight. But $2 Miller Lite drafts during the show. Happy hour Parkway is 3 to 6. They have 50% off apps and pizza, $2 off beer, wine, and cocktails. So get on over for the coaches show. Should we count that as a new thing, or should we just keep going? Should we jump back in the bag, or we just keep going here? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Back in. Made the decision. Good enough. Uh, there's still a lot more to learn about what just happened with the UFC today. But on the surface, it looks kind of disturbing. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Um, I know, you know, in your world, Damon, steroids are fun and cool. Uh, but for professional athletes, they're not. Uh, especially when you're punching people and trying to hurt people for people to not be following the rules in that regard makes it even more dangerous. And apparently there has been a not pleasant breakup between the UFC and USADA, which has managed their drug testing program for a long, long time. USADA put out a statement today basically um, expressing anger at the UFC for this happening. Um some UFC people have fired back and said, look, they're mad because they get a lot of money from the UFC that they're not going to get anymore, and they're just kind of whining about it. Um, I don't see it that way. And the UFC side would be they're still going to manage a drug testing program. They're just not going to be paying the middleman in USADA to manage it. Uh, if you don't have a middleman to manage it, you're running your own drug testing program, and you can do whatever you want, and that's not good. And it seems to be at the crux of this issue is Conor McGregor because Conor McGregor has been resistant to get back in the drug testing program. He has to do it for six months before he can fight under the rules. It sounds like part of this breakup, not all of it, because I think there are some other circumstances as well that they were trying to work through, but part of this was that the UFC essentially just wanted to stick Conor McGregor in the drug testing program for a couple weeks, call it a day, and put him in the cage. And USADA was not going to allow that. So theoretically, Conor McGregor has re-entered as of this morning. He's back in, I guess it was yesterday morning, back in the program. Six months from now, he's eligible to fight. My guess, with USADA out of the way, he'll be fighting sooner than that, which is very, very disturbing and should be for everyone. I want to say January. Yeah, well, that's I mean, January first. That's yeah. So when they're going away, as soon as that the the biggest pay per view. What's the first Saturday on? of January? Like January fourth. Yeah. All right, let's go. Conor, Conor McGregor back in the case. This is this should be troubling for everyone. It really should. And I, there's people that are like, "Who cares? UFC? It's barbaric." I, I, I guess. But look, they're going to try to sell this as it's still going to be a drug testing program. We're still going to be clean. I don't trust that. Here's something also from USADA statement. Fighters' long-term health and safety, in addition to a fair and level playing field, are more important to USADA than short-term profits at the expense of clean athletes. I say everybody get on the juice. That's the only way to protect yourself at this point. To protect yourself? I mean, I guess to protect yourself, yes, but you're, to me, going to create more dangerous situations that shouldn't be happening. And by the way, more dangerous not just because you're stronger and hitting people harder, like that's the obvious one on the surface, but... 
more dangerous situations and like people are going to be taking things that they shouldn't and ruining their bodies in ways that they shouldn't. That's it, it. It's to protect those fighters too, not just their opponents. Yes, everybody's not going to have the best guy in the business when it comes to getting their performance enhancing drugs. It's not good. Some people are going to be going over to uh, Super Beast, and you know I'm not. <laughs> Some people are going to be just asking you for for things like we saw already in the studio. This and week. I'd send them the Super Beast. There you go. Uh, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. I assume that you're not either. Even you're joking and saying. Full steam ahead. Let's go. Everybody get on the, on the juice. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for the sport. And I certainly don't think it's right to allow Conor McGregor to come back sooner and circumvent the rules. And the UFC has kind of already said they were going to do that anyway. Yeah. I mean, they signaled it. You know, Dana White said, hey, it's Conor McGregor. Well, that's not cool. That's not good. And the next time you come out and say, hey, we're regulated by the government. We're tested all the time. Don't trust that. They're going to run their own system now and – that's not good for the sport or the fighters or anyone. So, I, look again. I'm sure there's people out there that don't care. Hey, I want to see. I want to see a thousand home runs. I want to see knockouts from guys that are all juiced up. Like that's fine. It shouldn't be what we're pursuing at this point. But we're at. <laughs> it's all going to be on the up and up with their yeah, new system. Sure I know for some people this looks like a step back in legitimacy for the UFC. But trust me, that's not it. It is. It actually is. It very much is. It's exactly what it is. Our show is not taking a step back in legitimacy. We're awesome all the time, every day. Thanks to everybody that was on. I can't remember everybody that we had. Lindy The Rock was great. Caleb Herring, awesome. Who else was on? Gloria Navarez. Gloria Navarez, tremendous, as always. Jen Kelly, Caleb. Yep, there you go. I already mentioned Caleb. We got some shout-outs to Rosh. He's coming up next. As well. Coach Barry Odom Radio Show, Steve Cofield, Caleb Herring. Coming up, go out to Parkway Tavern on Flamingo.